This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Before we start the show, I have a gift for you, my top five productivity tips for solopreneurs. To get them, go to top5productivitytips.com. That's the number five, top5productivitytips.com. And it's possible that I over-delivered, and you'll have to find out for yourself. Just go to top5productivitytips.com. Jennifer Shaheen is the founder and president of the Technology Therapy Group. She is recognized as an expert in planning, implementing, and translating digital marketing and technology. If you're a little confused, don't worry. Jennifer's going to blight and enlighten us a little bit. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for having me today. And I will tell my regular listeners, no, this is not my normal voice. I am still dealing with the the nasty but mild Omicron, and uh, which is basically a throat and a congestion issue. So I don't sound my usual Johnny Jocko self. That's why. But you know what? As they say, Jennifer, the show must go on. Absolutely. As an ex-theater person, I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, you know, we were talking right before we started that you are the president of the technology therapy group. And then I started talking about digital marketing. And I know that people are listening and they're going, therapy, digital marketing. I'm so confused. So enlighten us, would you? Absolutely. So basically, uh, technology therapy group, what we do is we really try to meet businesses where they are today. So for example, for startups or freelancers, sometimes they just need a little help. So we have on demand training. We have startups that really just want almost like a private mentor or coaching because they really want to do it themselves. Or the third is we can work with startups, small businesses, growing businesses by doing a combination of mentoring and implementation in all areas of digital marketing. So you do kind of therapy. Actually, everything is really therapy when you stop and think about it. It's just some people are therapists and then others just delve into the therapy. So obviously 2022 uh, mm-hmm. You know, digital marketing is a pretty big thing. It's not going away. I know some people wish that maybe with all the the anger and divisiveness on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and what have you, there are probably some people say, hey, can we go back to we just have the telephone and yellow pages? That's all there were. But the fact is, digital marketing is going to be here for the foreseeable future. Absolutely. And it's only growing. Um, and it's getting, it's funny because if you had asked me five years ago, I'd said that the world was starting to get a little simpler, right? With the beginning of artificial intelligence and machine learning, we were thinking things were going to get easier. But in the last five years, <laughs> things have actually gotten a lot more complicated and somewhat confusing. And I think that's where the therapy angle comes from, Mark, is that, you know, we really want to make sure people stay calm <laughs> and en- and really understand what they can embrace and empower them to be successful because between some of those words that I've just thrown out there, right, machine learning and artificial intelligence, and then you have omni-channel marketing, we really want people to understand what makes sense for their growing business, where they are today, and then planning for tomorrow because we cannot do all things all the time. And this is a lesson that I had to learn over the years. I'm sure you too, Mark. Yeah. And what's interesting is I have, I think it was on 
fall, maybe August, September 2021, I just said, you know what? I give up on the algorithm. I'm going to do what I want in social media and I don't care if it's the right thing to do. So I don't do trending videos on TikTok. What I do every day is I record a 15 second reel on Instagram and apparently the shorter, the better. So I do 15 seconds. I take that same video and I put it on Snapchat and TikTok and Getter and Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook and people go, you're not supposed to do that. I don't care anymore. Okay. I am too busy running my business. I take the, take the video, put it everywhere. Some people watch it on one platform. Some people watch it on another platform. I think it's, you can get yourself tied up in knots. If you're trying to worry about what's the TikTok algorithm, what's the LinkedIn algorithm, what's the Facebook algorithm. I'm looking to create content for people and yes, the algorithm does help us, but I, I don't want to be in a straitjacket because I'm trying to figure out the algorithm, which could literally change by the minute. Right. I don't disagree with you. Um, however, I'm going to say, you know, it depends on what your goal is, right? Because you're a content provider, but if some of your listeners are focused on selling a product versus a service, there, where we always start with people is their goals. Like, what is your goal and who is the audience you're trying to reach? Because your approach works really well for an influencer. But if you're, let's say, a product-based company and you're trying to reach a 20-something audience versus a 40-something audience, you can get caught up in like which platform works better for you. So I always say, you know, we have to do what's comfortable for us because otherwise we won't ever drink the Kool-Aid, right? <laughs> but we also have to focus on platforms that fit and reach our target customers, consumers, or clients. Yeah, and you know, one of the one of the things that really confused me is the whole concept of viral videos because just because you go viral now, yes, there are there are funds on all the platforms where if you get a lot of views, they'll give you a portion of the the pot, I guess you will, for lack of a better term. But that's not what I'm going after. I'm trying to get people into my funnel. I'm trying to get people on my email list. I'm trying to get people into the Productive Life membership. And, and so what I'm trying to do is create a wide net out there of, hey, this is, this is the stuff I know. This is stuff I'm really good at. If you want more, come follow me. One of the people I really respect is Grant Cardone, not just because he has a private plane and two helicopters, but he, he mentioned something in the 10X rule that I actually love. He says, we all have an obscurity problem. Now, obviously, Grant Cardone, Gary Vaynerchuk, they don't have a security problem, but most of us have a security problems, and that means nobody knows who we are. And the way to get out there is not to create a one single piece of awesome content, but you, you try this one. Okay. That didn't work. Let me try this. Let me try podcasts. Let me blog posts and social media posts because different people learn different ways. And I think you can really drive yourself insane. I'm going to create one piece of awesome content. Okay. That's good for this hour. What about the next hour? I agree. Um, I think as businesses, we do need to focus. I think where you're going for me is that Malcolm Gladwell angle where the repetition, the better, the more we do something, the better we get at it. And that's actually very true. I think that's the biggest part of digital marketing is that 
people have, and I wrote a blog about this a few years ago, um, cause I have a husband who's ADHD and I watch him when he's unmedicated, he jumps from project to project. And for, um, for businesses, we do that as well. Small businesses. I'm, I've been guilty of it in my career is, you know, I, get excited about something and I jump from project to project. So as a mentor for small businesses, one of the things we really try to keep people on track and focused and consistent, sort of like a trainer, right? If you were to go to a trainer for your health or anything, or even just to improve your skiing, whatever it is, when you work with someone, they keep you focused and consistent. And with that, you see measured improvements. And I love that you used the example of a viral video because a viral video is like this big win, but it's not going to give you a big win in the long run. It gives you a blip of data. And that's probably the other thing that we really like to get small businesses focused on is understanding the value of their data. Now, let me ask you about, because I know everybody knows video is hot. Video is white hot. But there are people out there, like on TikTok, you can record a three-minute video. You can do a 10-minute video on LinkedIn, you know, four decades on, on YouTube. But we have gotten to a, a world where we like shorter videos. I I mentioned a few minutes ago that I have, it was not easy, but I've gotten down to doing 15 second videos because people are not going to listen to a, a 30 second, 60 second, three minute video very often. They want, people's time is valuable. They don't want to know, hi, I'm Mr. Productivity. Welcome to this video. Just tell me the stuff. And now I've been doing it for over a month. It's really easy for me to knock out these 15 second videos. And I notice that more people are watching because they're short to the point. I hope it doesn't go down to what Vine was six seconds. Cause I don't know if I could do a six second video, but 15 seconds I've gotten into my comfort zone there. I'm pretty impressed with that because, um, it's interesting that you're seeing those results. What's, uh, what you're seeing in the research in general is it does depend on what we're talking about, right? Because um, actually longer video is in many places performing better. And actually it's one of the reasons why last year you saw Instagram go to the one minute video and TikTok went up to three. But again, let's talk about our audiences because what you do is more succinct your 15 seconds is probably why you're getting the repetition and that repetition is giving your algorithmic boost. <laughs> um, and also because now people are enjoying that bite-sized education that you're giving them, that learning is helping you. And I think really what you want your listeners to take away from this is if they're going to commit to something, one, you said something really important. You've been doing it for a month. And you really have to give anything a truly at least six weeks is a minimum. And I'm going to tell you why, because it takes three weeks for an algorithm to learn and three weeks to it apply its learning. So if you're doing something new in digital marketing, especially in advertising or even organic, you really do need to commit to a six week schedule, kind of like just like you would think about something for health and wellness or anything else or six weeks to success, <laughs> you really need to do that because it takes three weeks for, like I said, learning and three weeks for application. 
Yeah, I remember when I first got into podcasting way back in 2017, I thought, oh, wow, I'm going to my podcast. I'm going to have Joe Rogan downloads in the first couple episodes. No, because first of all, who is this Mark Struzuski guy? Who is this guy? People don't know who you are, okay? And and not only that, but I don't think you're really committed if you're going to try something once or twice or for two or three weeks. If you say, look, I'm going to commit to doing this for you know, six weeks, you know, two months, 90 days, whatever the case may be, that's a sign of commitment. Okay. Like I, I recently went vegetarian for the second time and the first time I wasn't fully committed. So I was, I found out that there's no meat and ice cream and there's no meat and cookies. And I, and I wasn't losing weight. I wasn't feeling better because yeah, I eliminated meat from my diet, but I was eating a bunch of crap. Same thing that comes to digital marketing. I mean, it, it, you got to be fully committed. Are you going to say, okay, I'm going to release a podcast episode every week, or I'm going to write a blog post every week, or I'm going to do, you have to be committed because what if you start getting people following you and all of a sudden you stop and like, wait a minute. Cause they took you, it took them two to three weeks to find you. Now you stop. So I think if you, and tell me if I'm wrong here, Jennifer, if you want to be successful with digital marketing, you have to come up with a plan and commit to it for at least like six weeks and say, okay, okay, that didn't work. Let me pivot after six weeks, not at the end of six days. Agreed. Uh, I mean, the true metric that we've used here for years is actually three months, but Right now, I, I at least like to give businesses because I know how we all get, uh, <laughs> but I really want them to be honest with themselves and also understand the technology they're dealing with. So we are now in a world where the machines are doing the algorithmic changes. And if you don't commit to a minimum of six weeks, you will not see any movement at all. But really, the best metric to look at is after three months. Uh, I bet you, Mark, since you've now been doing this for a month, I bet you if you look at the end of three months, you're going to see a measurable difference from your first month after the end of the third month. You're probably right. I mean, that will be uh, end of February. But one of the things I really, one of the first things I do on Instagram, and I don't have a lot of followers on Instagram at this point because about six months ago, I wanted to clean up my feed. And the only way to delete everything is to delete your account and then wait 45 days. And I wanted, it was important for me to do that because I had a lot, I had a lot of posts. I mean, a lot of posts I didn't want on there and it's tedious to delete them all. But if you delete your account, and then re- and then create a new one. And guess what? Mark Stuchowski still there. Imagine that. And so I don't have a lot of followers now, but what I do is as soon as a post hit, except you can't do this with reels, is I go in there and I hide the like counts. And the reason why I do that, I wish I could do that in all my platforms because people are evaluating the quality of a post, not by watching the video, but by the likes. But by the likes. It's like I have gone across, I'm sure you have too, of posts, it's like it got like ten thousand likes, and you're like, "This post sucks. What? What is the point of this?" And so I always try to hide that, and I will hide it when I become big, like Gary Vaynerchuk or Grant Cardone, because I don't want people evaluating my posts by 
who liked it. I want you to look at it, whether it's a, a video or an audio or a, or a, a picture or whatever, and go, okay, this is something I now like it. But that's one of my beefs about the metrics. I think the metrics should be only for the author of the post because I think they're vanity metrics. And I think people are evaluating a, the quality of post by the metrics. The Productive Life, a membership for solopreneurs, will help you gain confidence and clarity, show you how to deal with overwhelm, and teach you how to get and stay focused. To find out more and to sign up, visit theproductivelifemembership.com. I appreciate that you said that. I was actually going to bring that up because when we talk through competitive analysis or we talk about this, I can't begin to tell you the number of mentor sessions and client meetings over my years where someone says, well, we have this many followers and this one has this many followers and they really aren't understanding. Um, and actually one of the things that we often do is we look at, love the word you use because that's the one I was going to use is the vanity metric, which is as a business, what is your goal? Is your goal followers or is your goal, as you said, getting them into your lead generation funnel? Because there's a major difference. Now, again, it does depend on what you're trying to accomplish because I have worked with startups who are going for funding. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. some of the private investors and VCs, they do look at the vanity metrics. But when you dig into them and as you're looking at your competitors, you can use those numbers that you just talked about in reverse by looking at they may have X number of followers, but really what kind of engagement do they have? Mm -hmm. So I, I agree with you. Um, oftentimes that people actually will watch something because of it. So I would love if we could actually stop looking at that because also businesses are just looking at follower accounts and they're not looking at engagement. And that's another thing that they're misunderstanding is really how successful is that account? truly, it's probably a lot less successful than they realize. Because if you do the data analysis, and you take the number of likes after one week versus and you take it over the number of followers they have, then you can get a sense of what that engagement rate looks like. And you'd be surprised people who have a lot of followers may not have a lot of engagement. Mm -hmm. Well, sort of the reason why I never disclose my download numbers, because download numbers for podcasts don't really mean anything. They mean something to prospective advertisers. But as you know, Jennifer, just because a podcast is downloaded to your phone doesn't mean you're going to listen to it. And I always tell people this. I say, look at what if I told you I had four downloads per episode of my show? Most people go, oh, my gosh, your show is horrible. But if I said, yeah, but they're Grant Cardone, Barack Obama, Oprah Winfrey and Tony Robbins. Oh, now the whole game changes. That's but right. because I don't know exactly who is listening to my podcast, the download numbers don't mean anything. And because I don't have ads on my show other than to send you to my website, I don't have to worry about it, but it's a vanity metric. Now, I know it's the only way you can measure a success of a podcast. I get that, and it's a necessary evil, but I think people need to have the mentality of Gary Vaynerchuk. His goal is to have zero followers, and at in the top, you're like, wait a minute, this guy's got like a quadrillion followers. He wants people to come to him, learn, leave, and go implement. He goes, people just keep following me like, like you following me is magic. 
no, it's not the magic. It's the work. It's the doing. And so I, I don't know if in 2022, we're going to start seeing more companies do what Instagram does and allow you to hide the, the metrics. I, I hope that happens. I've heard rumors that maybe Facebook is going to do it. Maybe LinkedIn's going to do it. I mean, I, I would love to see that. That would be a great thing, in my opinion. What, what do you think if, they, if the more platforms allowed the authors to turn off metrics? Uh, for the viewers to see. Would you be in support of that? So it's interesting because um, I sit on both sides. So (laughs) (laughs) I'll be honest with you. So as someone who's a content creator, I can see your want for that, right? We absolutely, because it gives you much more intelligence. And then you feel just like you mentioned that your audience may react a little differently. So I definitely agree with that. However, as a marketer, (laughs) that data analysis from looking at competitors or looking at people. So it's like, you know, privacy policies right now, right? As a human being, I want as much to be private as possible. (laughs) But as a marketer, it's getting harder to market when I can't get your more private information. So I will definitely say I would like my cake and eat it too, but I know that's not likely to happen. So I apologize. I'm not going to give you a definitive answer because it's, it's two sides of, of, you know, if I'm working for you, I want to see one thing. If I'm working for the other person, (laughs) the other side, I want to see something else. So, um, but I do think you are going to start to see some shifts. One of the, one of the, the tests that Google put out, um, about a year ago was hiding the URLs, um, in their search results. And, um, they tested in a few countries and people didn't like it. And I'm grateful that they are not doing that because, that was something that I disagreed with because when you hide the URL, that means whatever I make my page title will suck you in. And that goes back to a old fashioned link baiting and click baiting again. So whereas I don't know if you do this, but with search engine results, I not only look at the title and the description, but I do look at the website address. And if it looks a little weird or scammy, sometimes I won't click on it because I'm point. a more intelligent you know, more background (laughs) history of the web. But if they hide that, it keeps us from being able to educate people as well of what to be mindful of, because that's where, as you know, a lot of viruses come from. So, um, so there's, there are pros and cons to these share and not share. And I, I love that we're talking about it because I don't think enough people do talk about it. You know, you bring up a lot of good points and, you know, one of the things I saw shifting, oh, it started around summer of 2021, and now it's being more prevalent. Websites are pretty much dead. When I first heard that, I'm like, what? Landing pages are the magic. People don't want to go to your homepage and see like 25 million options. So now what I've been addicted to is redirects. Now, for a redirect, for an example, if you want my top five productivity tips, you would type in top five productivity tips.com. Well, that's not my website. It takes you to markstuchowski.com forward slash tips, or I forget whatever the, I forget whatever the URL is. It's been so long now because it's a much easier, especially with a name like Stuchowski or my membership. Instead of telling you to go to, oh, go to mrproductivity.com and click on the menu that says membership. Now I just say, go to the productive life membership.com. It'll take you there. And because we, 
because people's attention is so short. We have to make it one stop click shopping. And I'm actually debating, you know, for my membership, do I send them right to the checkout page and put all the stuff on the sales page on the checkout page? Because if they go to the sales page and they're like, oh, this is really great. And they're like, oh, squirrel. And all of a sudden they close the browser. So, you know, as you go through every day of your life, you're like, how can I make it even easier for people to buy from me? Because you want to eliminate as many obstacles as possible. Because if there's too many clicks, people are like, ah, I'll do it when I get, it's too hard on my phone. I'll do it when I get to home, my computer, and then they forget. Am I, am I wrong? You are not wrong. Frictionless um, purchases are extremely important. However, <laughs> I love our conversation, Mark, because we're so, we're so challenging each other. I love it's your awesome. questions. Because honestly, the other part of this that also comes up for people is, um, especially for a membership. So I'm going to, I'm going to use your example because we're doing the same thing. We're getting ready to launch our membership this year. So I understand that. But if you make it so simple and they're not taking the time to look at things, we have to ask the second part of the question, which is, are they going to use it? And so one of the, the, the metrics that we are digging into even ourselves right now is looking at how much time, so people buy our classes, how much are they going back and watching them? So just as you mentioned on your download, you mentioned, you know, you can download it, but are they really listening to it? So when you do make something super easy, so for me, the places I want to make things super easy is retail because it's a product. I never want you to have to ask a question when we coach people to do their e-commerce sites, we make sure every question somebody asks you should be on that product page or and that checkout page. So no one ever has to be worried about returns and shipping and the things that keep them from buying. But now we're talking about something a little different here where we want usage. So we want repetition. So I do want to make sure not only do you make it easy, but you want to make sure that the person who is signing up and purchasing is coming back and using your system over and over because I would assume you're trying to send them into other components of your funnel as well. Yeah. Yeah. You make, you make some good points. What I was thinking is taking, literally taking all the content from my sales page and put it on the checkout page. So they're not going to miss anything and it'll have all the details and all the testimonials, everything there. So then they can go, oh, I just had to enter my credit card or PayPal. Boom, I'm in. Instead of going to the sales page and then clicking the button to go to the checkout page. So it's something I'm debating because the last thing I want to do is I never, never want anyone to join and go, oh, what I got myself into. That's why the first thing you get is a welcome email that says, this is what you gotten yourself into. Now, it's the same thing. It was just on the sales page, just on the checkout page. I just want people to understand I'm not a shyster. I'm not a snake oil salesman. I want you to join my membership if you think it's a fit so that I can help you. I'm not out. It's 49 bucks a month. Okay. I'm not going to go out and buy a private jet with $49 for one person. Okay. So I, I'm a man of integrity. But I want to make it as easy as possible. I know people's time is busy. And if they're sitting on their phone and go, oh, yeah, I love this membership. Oh, and they click the checkout page. Oh, don't have my credit card. Whatever the case may be, it puts more friction in there. So the good news is, is because it's a redirect, I can go, I can actually test it. I can say, okay, I'm going to run it. 
for one month, I'm going to run it to my sales page. The next month, directly to this checkout page, even though they have the same information, and see what happens. I mean, maybe people are getting stuck from hitting that membership button for whatever reason. The bus stop came up. They have to get off the plane. Whatever the case may be, if I can reduce that friction, maybe I'll get more members in the, the membership. And I don't know unless I test it. Absolutely. And I would also encourage you, and this is a great example for everybody, is to make sure you're putting other tracking metrics on those pages. So for for example, scroll data, understanding how far down people are scrolling, because it might not just be the page itself, it might be the positioning of the call to action. So that's something or the repetitiveness of the call to action. I am not looking at your page, so I'm not 100% sure. Um, so that's something else to look at as you're doing your A-B testing. You could actually also see how far down are people actually going on the page that sounded longer and seems like more friction, but it could be that they're just not getting to that point. That's a very good point. I, what I try to do on my sales page, I push all the really relevant information up to the top. And then, so it, I try to keep it, I'm a minimalist, try to keep it as simple as possible. So this is what it is. And there's a buy now button. And then you scroll down, you get some testimonials and other stuff. But I try to put everything above the fold to use the old newspaper analogy, because I know a lot of people are going to be like me. They're going to scroll the bottom of the page and see how much it costs. And that's why I put that right up the top. $49 a month, <laughs> hit the, hit this to pay for. Because I know some people, they're just like, hey, what's it going to cost me? What's the investment? Some people want to read a long page. Unfortunately, we're all not the same, which I think that is a fortunate thing. Now I, now I think about it. I don't want a bunch of clones. I want people to be, I want to read every word. Some people go, where's the buy button? And that's the great thing about humans is that we're so different like that. There is also something else that you're feeding into, and I want to bring it up because um, it's important, is not only are we dealing with different people with different buying behaviors, but you're also dealing, let's go back to what we were talking about a little while ago, which are algorithms. So um, your pages that are longer with heavier content and heavier words are doing much better, most likely organically on Google, which is getting you the eyeballs to the page. <laughs> so um, sort of another thing that we run into a lot, and I completely understand this conversation is, well, I want things to be quick and easy for people. Absolutely. But we're also dealing with a balance of people and machines. And the machine likes it when you have those longer pages with lots of content. So as you lay out a page and design it for human behavior, you also have to lay out page and design it for unfortunately dealing with <laughs> what is important today, which is being found by Google, because a lot of what you type, you talked about, those are things people are typing into Google. What are my productivity tips? Or for us, it's, you know, how do I do better uh, with Facebook ads? You know, so they type in these longer words and sayings. And the more your pages have those quality content in them with depth, you know, the better you're going to do. Yeah, long tail keywords. I, I I didn't understand that in the beginning, but then no one goes to Google and types in productive. They say, yeah. how can I be more productive working from home? That's what they're typing in. And so that's why you should put that in your copy, your blog post, whatever. That's what people are searching for. No one goes through and goes productive. Right. It, that would uh, Google go, 
what productive doing what to being a farmer i mean we don't know so uh so good point on that so as we come to the end of the show here i just said so like four times in like three <laughs> i'm so sorry listener but this is totally unscripted uh the question I have for you now jennifer is there anything on your heart that you really wanted to share with the audience today that we didn't get a chance to? i mean we talked a lot about a lot of different things but maybe there's something on your heart that you want to make our, our listeners aware of well i first off i love this question uh because at the end of the day, we have jumped around a lot. And I think that's really what I want to get across to everybody is we do that. We jump around a lot, but we have to step back and plan and focus so we can see success. Um, it's a hard lesson. I, I'm still learning it every day. I just have to say that because it's something I work on constantly um, because as entrepreneurs, we have a lot of ideas to make our businesses better. So that is probably the on my heart would love to say because it's something I work on all the time. Excellent. And I will tell you one of the things I discovered, and I think I first heard it from Brendan Burchard a number of years ago, is the magic of repurposing. So I create a video every week on YouTube. I take that video, I take the audio off, make a podcast, take the transcript, make a blog post, because some people like to read, some people like to watch, some people like to listen. And if you do it right, I'm getting I'm getting better. I'm not all the way there. I'm getting better of not saying this video. Uh, because people listen to podcasts are like, cause I can change it in the blog, in the blog post down the podcast. I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to keep them short, generally five to 10 minutes long. That seems to be really good. I I've gotten really fancy. I've got a, a spreadsheet. It's got the, the, the episode name, the date it was on YouTube, the date of the blog post, the date of the podcast and it, planning organization. It helps. Cause that way I know when I create a YouTube video, I've got three pieces of content. And if you think about it, then you take the blog post and then you can make social media posts out of that. So if you plan, like you just said, you plan the video right, you can get so much repurposed content out of that. It's going to save you time down the long, down the end. Absolutely. That was a weird way to end the sentence down the end. I was, I was trying to say something else. My brain goes, we got nothing. <laughs> That's it's my show. I can, I can have awkward pauses like that. It's a okay. So Jennifer, where can we go to find out more about you and what you're doing in this world? Absolutely, Mark. Well, if anyone would like to find me, technologytherapy.com is where you can find me and the rest of our team. You can also find us on pretty much most social under technology therapy. And then feel free to connect with me. It's Jennifer Shaheen on LinkedIn. All right. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for being here today. It was an absolute delight talking to you and I did learn a lot. Great. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate having been on the show. And before we go, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stucheski podcast. I know that there is an endless stream of options for you in this day and age, but you took the time to listen to the episode, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Don't forget to head on over to top5productivitytips.com and get my gift to you, my top five productivity tips. Remember, it's the number five in top5productivitytips.com. They will serve you well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We'll see you again real soon.